I'm Tabby. And I'm Caitlin. And today we are discussing A Court of Silver Flames by Sarah J. Mass. Yes, this will be the final installment of the Akatar series for now. Um, supposedly there will be eight books total for this particular series. So buckle in as we say goodbye to our favorite Faye. It's so bittersweet, but we are like super excited to move on to some different book series on the podcast. So yes. um, for those of you who don't know, this book is extremely long. Uh, it's a very lengthy boy. So we, um, because we just have so much stuff we want to talk about, decided to not do a synopsis episode this week. However, if you do not have the time to read the full book, um, there is actually online, we found a synopsis written by Sarah Pereira, and that is on her blog entitled creamycodfish.com. Um, so Sarah, we are interested, like if you're comfortable sharing with us <laughs> what creamy codfish means, we're very intrigued. Perhaps a family name or, or uh, DM us on Instagram, um, the sister's warden dying to know what it means <laughs> dying to know so yeah we're just gonna kind of jump in then and start with what are our overall thoughts on this book well let me tell you um <laughs> I I don't hate this book I don't hate it I don't hate this book I can never hate anything Sarah Day does okay. it out of every book I have ever read by Sarah J Mass ever This is probably like the bottom for me. Like I don't like Nesta. I have said I don't like Nesta throughout this entire series. I do love her character growth in this story. And like you can definitely see she's she's starting something really cool, especially with like the Valkyrie. Um, I don't like her, though. (laughs) Um, Love Cassian. He's amazing. He's a big teddy bear super good character. He has a lot of flaws, but he's willing to accept it. Um, but I honestly, like probably like if I had to do it, like out of five, it'd be like a 2.8 to like a three out of five. Yeah. So kind of like average for you or like, yeah, it wasn't bad. It just, Mm -hmm. it kind of felt like basically she cut and paste Feyre's initial story and then just like kind of change the wording a little bit. No, that's completely fair. And it's funny because the first time I ever read this, I actually was so much more into it than I was the second time yeah. reading it. Through. So for this one, like rereading this entire series, it seems like for me, all of them had a great like rereadability for me, except for um, a Court of Frost and Starlight and A Court of Silver Flames. Those were tougher for yeah. me to get through. A Court of Frost and Starlight, it's just like, it was only meant to be read once. Like, it yeah. was just a cute little novella. Um, it's kind of setting up this. It's basically basically an extension of this book. Yeah, it is. It's just like kind of shifting gears from Feyre being the main character to now uh, we're switching to Nesta. And I agree with you. I it's really hard to like Nesta because she is such a jerk, but I do really um, enjoy her character arc. I think she grows so much, but she is not my favorite character in Silver Flame. Like there's just like so many characters that are more lovable than her. So it's, it's really hard to be like, yeah, like I love Nesta. I love reading about her. (laughs) Unfortunately for me, like I just kind of feel like 
Sarah J Mass almost kind of fell prey to like those few outspoken fans who are like, we need more smut. And like, don't get me wrong, I love smut. Love yeah. it. But I feel <laughs> like there could have been like a lot more story. And I don't usually ask for this, but like with this being such a like, I don't know, such a huge like story with so much world building. There's so many like aspects going on. There's so many different like interwoven parts to this book. Like for her to just kind of focus solely on like Cassie, Cassie and Nesta getting together. Like that was really disappointing for me. And like, I, I love their relationship, like the banter, like back and forth, but I don't know. It just kind of fell flat for me because we really didn't like get into anything until like three quarters of the way in. Yeah. I 100% agree because it's funny. Like as much as you learn through the first like three books of this series, they still have a lot to throw in for like Silver Flames. They're like, oh yeah, there's also these other like, you know, ancient items that are called Jornade and like, those are really important. And like, we haven't talked about them yet for some reason, but now we're going to like- Yeah, oh, by the way, this could have, you know, helped save like everybody during the war and we just chose not to go after those. And it's like, okay. I don't know cool <laughs> the implications of that. Like, is this something that they they just learned about like throughout? Amber knew about them. Yeah. Okay. So why? So Amber? I don't know. I don't <laughs> understand. And like while Nesta was doing the fucking Stairmaster 10,000, we could have been <laughs> adding in some additional like points about like what the fuck the dread trove is and like a little yeah. bit more about Amron's background maybe because like I know they're not on good terms in this book but like we still don't know anything about Amron. yeah absolutely and like you're saying uh, like Nesta just freaking doing the stairs over and over that's like another reason that we're not doing a synopsis for this book because <laughs> if I had to write about her doing the stairs um yeah it's it's too much it's too much stairs it's a little bit too much smut um it's just like it's the fact that the smut is like taking precedence yeah. over the story it's not even that it's too much smut it's just that they did not spread it out tastefully like it That's was just true. like it's every single character was them just banging constantly yeah. and then it's like oh by the way she also killed this queen and Koshay's on the loose the end yeah it's like beginning um you know they're fighting there's a lot of tension but they're not like banging yet and then it's like they're banging and they're doing it every moment everywhere every waking moment for Azriel. <laughs> and then yeah Azriel is like He's I'm, either, like, having the time of his fucking life where he is scarred. Yeah. <laughs> he is scarred literally and figuratively. Figuratively. Um, yeah. Didn't love that. I do agree. But, oh, I did forget to rate it. Um, if I were to rate it out of five, I think maybe I'd rate it, like, slightly higher. I'm thinking, like, a 3.5. That's just, fair. like, slightly better than average for me. But... Like I said, it was really hard for me to reread it. And for me to like rate something like four or more, it's like, oh yeah, I would reread that. No, it's it's simply just because like I read her other series and like even with like Throne of Glass with Crescent City, like she still had like, I wouldn't call it smut. It's not really smut, but I mean, she still had, you know, more of that new adult vibe in some of the books, but it did not take away from the plot line. And that's, I don't know. I just feel like it did in this book. Yeah. Work for me. 
Yeah, like I get it. They're into each other and I love that for them, but um, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. And also like not, they didn't have like a healthy dynamic. No. (laughs) it, It was just like. Oh, goddamn. That um, pissed yeah. me off, too. The whole miscommunication trope. And, yeah. like, I've, I've said it before. It is one of my least favorite tropes in any book. I hate it when something could just so easily be fixed. And, like, literally, the beginning of the book, the first time they slept together, I get it. Like, you're trying to f- figure out what the fuck's going on. Mm-hmm. But... By the time we get to him banging her at the court of nightmares, like I'm pretty sure she understands, like, I love this man and she knows it and he knows it. And like, she refuses and like, it carries out the rest of the book till literally the last 50 pages when she is dying on top of a mountain. She's like, oh yeah, like this man is my mate and I reject it. It's like, what the fuck? Like we had 800 pages to figure this out. Yeah. It's pretty BS because like. (sighs) God. They already had that moment too, like in the yeah. third book. When you Kathy have to die for dying. him. Yeah. So, like, why are we pretending that didn't happen? Like, that's really dumb. Jesus, it pissed me off. <laughs> Before we like go down a rabbit hole of the things that we didn't like, <laughs> first we're gonna talk about things that we did like. So, number one for us, the Valkyrie. We love a girl power squad. Um, they are badasses. They grow so much. Favorite and, girly pops. Yeah, three girly pops and the power of friendship. They <laughs> really take on the world together, and it's beautiful. I love it so much. Yes, I Gwen in particular. Gwen is she just has holds such a dear place in my heart. I don't know. I think it's just because like we met her earlier on whenever, you know, Asriel saves her and stuff. And like you don't realize it's Gwen or anything, but yeah. I don't know, just the growth that she has and Emery too. Emery's mm-hmm. awesome. But just I don't know. It took a lot for Gwen to take those steps outside of the the library and yeah. All the way up to finding the Ramiel and Yeah. And I just, I like how she shows her strength a lot because she's still like a very positive and upbeat person, even though she's like going through all of that. And she's not like, she doesn't shut down, like, you know, become reserved or angry or sad. Like she's um, didn't lose her like herself. So Um, another thing that I really liked about the book, um, was just Cassian in general. Um, like I said, Nesta was not my favorite character, but I did. I loved Cassian's character growth the most because he is just seen as like kind of the happy go lucky friend who will do anything. He'll drop anything to be there for his family, but he lacks confidence in himself. He's confident in his skills in fighting, but he is not confident in his other abilities. And I really liked that Reese, you know, was kind of pushing him outside of his comfort zone. He's like, you know, I want to, I want you to take on this role um, as you know, somebody who's doing some of my bidding, who's working with Eris, who is that go in between, between um, like Lucian and Vasa and Jurian and then this realm as well. So almost like an emissary type role um, or diplomat. Um, And so it was really just cool seeing how Cassian was able to kind of step into that role and how um, even Nesta, you know, kind of built him up and made him feel like he could do other things besides just find me kind of like a meathead. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, I mean, 
while that's like his very obvious like strength on its face like he is so much more than that and yeah he's a very like loving and caring like compassionate guy um and i really saw that like bastard status yeah he does he kind of uses it as a defense um but yeah like in uh frost and starlight whenever he buys all of like the winter clothes to go out to the people who like don't have you know warm clothing to wear like he's just a real teddy bear yeah um the other thing we loved is as real as the chaperone yes Uh, he does a shit job at being (laughs) just so bad at it he's like um stop banging but then like doesn't actually do anything dude i feel like Azriel's a real freak and he's probably just like <laughs> hell yeah I hate the thought of that but you're probably right um, I think I'm right though you're probably right and you it's know a little what? voyeurism um yeah like we love Azriel. um he's my favorite of the Illyrians uh <laughs> Azriel's the hottest Illyrian changed my mind waiting for a threesome Sarah J that's the only acceptable thing you could have done in this book and you didn't <laughs> Yeah, I do. I do wish that like now would have been the time. Uh, you <laughs> like can't you do everything it. else. You in, can't so. do it later on. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah. And then also we like Eris. Mm, Eris is my little baby. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Eris. Um, I really feel like there, he's just going to pop off one of these days. Like he kind of did in this book, honestly. Um, even though the at the end, like he almost got us like we thought. He's a bad guy, but just kidding. No, he's not. He's back in my good graces. Um, he's Eris, always doing that. Yeah, and that's why I think there's more to him than what's being let on here. I think he's going to be, like I said, a huge player in the next few books. And, like, especially with, like, the whole rebuilding of Prithian and, like, the courts, I think he is going to either be very, very beneficial or he's going to hinder them. It's going to be one or the other. Um but I just, I loved him and I liked, I really kind of liked his dynamic with Nesta as well. Um, shoot your shot, Playa. Like, I think <laughs> they would have made a beautiful couple, <laughs> personally. I know yeah. she was meant for Cassian. That's fine. But the thing is, like, put himself out there and I was proud of him. I kind of feel like I would want someone different for Eris and I don't know who, but like, yeah, I do think they would have been like a power couple, but I don't know. I like she would have bullied him though. yeah but he would have bullied her back yeah but like I don't know I just really want the best for him and I think that's why I liked him so much in this book is because especially like when he was rejected by Ned like he was right my man was ready to risk it all he was like I would love her hand in marriage immediately and like that may just be because she's very powerful and he recognizes that but I also think he just had like a good connection with her and he's just lonely yeah and also like it is um I think it's canon that like Nesta's a baddie like she's a good looking lady and she's a hottie (laughs) yeah so I do think that also he was like had a little bit of a crush on top of it all I just want the best for him yeah I do too um he really has had like quite the redemption arc over the past Mm -hmm. couple novels and I do hope that we see like him you know like come into his own um in the future novels oh maybe him and Elaine will end up together maybe well evolution for her brother his brother well, well do I want that to happen no 
<laughs> no, I still think she'll end up with Tamlin. That's neither here nor there, but <laughs> uh, I honestly that would be perfect. But also, I would feel really bad for Lucian. No, they fucking deserve each other. They're trash, oh, trash garbage. Lucian is in a throuple with Jorian and Bassett. <laughs> like uh, I'm absolutely. sure of it. Absolutely, he has to like numb the pain somehow. Yeah, they're they're together. Yeah, Lucian deserves better. Um, some yeah. things that we didn't like. The uh, the ending is like <laughs> so, so rushed. rushed, and we were talking about this too, like how the the setup of the book is like beginning. Cassian and Nesta want each other, but won't admit it. Like after that, they just bang a whole bunch, and then like the ending is like, and here's all this stuff that's like really important to the plot. Blah, 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 also, blah, by blah. the way, like she killed a bunch of people, and Koshay's on the loose, and he's looking for Vasa. And also, we have like all the dread trove items, and there could be an eighth core. Who's to say we killed a whole demigod? But that's neither here nor there. And like, <laughs> <laughs> then it was the end. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah. So basically, she was doing the stairs and doing Cassian, and then shit hit the fan. Um, again, like the idea of the trove items, they, it's cool, but why weren't they ever mentioned previous to this novel? And like, why are they like not brought up until the end? Cause um, like the whole, like the harp thing was fucking cool. And mm-hmm. like the mask, like that's dope. Yeah. Um, like the, harp even the was- crown too. Yeah, and the, and the yeah, the crown was cool too. But yeah. like, they didn't talk about the crown <laughs> as much. Yeah. The crown was a last minute addition at the end of the story. We didn't really see it. Yeah. So, um, just in case any of you have not actually read this book or the synopsis yet, when you're listening to this, the dread trove items are like all cauldron made items, and the crown, like whoever wears it, can control people. Uh, the mask, whoever wears it can raise the dead. And then the harp, whoever plays it can open any door. And I think that it goes for like metaphorical doors as well. Like, like um, if a door is made out of a spell, you know what I mean? Like a Kind of like what Helian can do with like the. Yeah. 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 It just like um, opens things. But it also moves across <laughs> dimensions. Yeah, it's wild. Um, it also has like something to do with like death. I don't know. There's a lot going on. I have a lot of theories about this harp. Um, oh, but uh, that tie into we'll, the other book. We'll get to it. Okay. Yeah. So, so many of Tabby's theories are they're so like baked, man. They're so ready to come mm. out of the oven, but we if haven't you guys talked have, about the other books. <laughs> yeah, if you guys have not read, if you want to get a head start, we're going to do them eventually. But if you have not read Throne of Glass, or most importantly, if you have not read Crescent City, like, do it immediately. Start Can reading confirm, Crescent City immediately because I have so much shit I need to discuss. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that we don't really like is Elaine. So shocker, Elaine has made it on this list every single book. Yeah. <laughs> on things we don't Elaine like. and Nesta. Usually. Elaine and Nesta. Yeah, unfortunately we can put Nesta on here because she was the star of the show. Mm. Um, you know. But Elaine, precious, precious girl. So she's lying. Yeah. She's full of shit, is what she is. Yeah. She's like, um, I don't have my powers anymore. Weird. Yeah, you do. You do. Why Where'd they go, you? Elaine? Literally, why wouldn't you? Because she, I think she saw some shit. Okay, okay, here, okay, listen. Um, 
So we have this whole thing set up, right? With Amron talking about how Resand could be like the king of all, high king, mm. whatever the fuck they called him. Yeah. I think that Elaine <laughs> saw something and she's holding her cards close. Like, I think she has got power on her mind and she's ready to let the claws out. I think she is hiding something. And Uh-oh. she has been working with Nuala and Caridwin. And I don't think they're evil, but I do think they've taught her too much. Yeah. And she's a sneaky bastard. Like, they trust her. And so they're, like, sharing all of this intel with her. Either that or they're double-crossing Asriel in recent. I don't know. That I don't know. My heart, but... but I do think she saw something. And she's keeping it to herself and making everyone else believe that she doesn't have her powers anymore. Because it's easier for them to kind of, like, forget about her, like, always, um, than for her to like be vocal about it because like she even kind of popped off in this book too and like Nesta was like trying to protect her and she was just like I was there too like why are you guys babying me um Mm -hmm. on the same token like I think she kind of uses that to her advantage yeah because she was like I'll do it I'll do the scrying and it's it's like like, hmm "Hmm, will you you can already see to the future (laughs) then she's gonna claim that like she doesn't like feel her powers anymore at the same time like make it make sense it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense. And I don't know if it is just, like I said, lazy writing or if we got something else planned for it. And, like, knowing Sarah J. Mass, she's got something else planned for her. Yeah, it's definitely sus. And, like, I don't think that she, like, Sarah wouldn't, she like. For a reason. Yeah, she wouldn't just, like, forget about Elaine. Like, Elaine's a major character in the series. So, like, she's not going to just forget to make it make sense. Um, Another thing that we don't really like about this book is like Moore's involvement in the story um so she's not really in the book at all and that is because Resand has her doing something uh, across the seas I think building relationships with like Balahan uh, and Montessere yeah she was in Sangreval like trying Sangreval. to make a treaty but they were like no because we don't really know if the mortal queens are gonna like start another war so yeah were, like, tentative about that and so um, she's not here yeah, and she, what really bothers me is, like, the parts that she is in, it's just her being mean to Nesta about, like, the whole situation with Cassian, and it's like, why are you, why do you care? Because she's acting so jealous, but, like, hey, do we need to remind you that you're literally, like, only, like, stringing Cassian along, like, you're not actually attracted to him, so, like, why are you so jealous that he's into Nesta? And, like, we get, she doesn't like her. Like, that's fair. I don't either. <laughs> but, like, you don't, just because you don't like her doesn't mean you should be, like, jealous. You know, like, it's weird. Don't be so, like, possessive of Cassian and Azrael because, like, you're yeah. doing the same thing. Like, like they're know. just your friends. It's not, like you don't have the right to do that. Like it's, it's definitely misplaced. I will say like the one, I guess, cool thing she did in the book was like helping train the Valkyrie and like all the priestesses were already very comfortable with her, obviously, because she saved a bunch of them. And Mm -hmm. I do think it was really sweet that she taught Cassian how to dance. Yeah. I thought that was very kind of her to do, but I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, I just, I don't really feel like she needed to be in the book. I agree. And it's, I think she's just there for like sense of like 
completeness. Like, don't forget about more. Yeah, they're like, she's still part of this family. Um, right, like, she got to hold Bear's child as she lay dying, like. Yeah. Really glad she was there up. for that. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, oh, a baby. She's like, hey, you uh, know what Rosalie from Twilight. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. It reminds oh. me of Rosalie from Twilight when Bella has her baby and she's just yes. like, this is my child now. This is a fucking like parallel right now. Oh my like, God. That's so mother's funny. on her that's deathbed so and then the blonde bitch is just like, oh, the baby. Yeah. Oh my God. That, yeah, that's literally what that was. Oh, 10 out of 10. <laughs> um, which brings us to Farah's pregnancy. <laughs> um, speaking of more holding Farah's child as she lay dying, <laughs> Farah's pregnancy was so stupid. Yeah. Like, love, love that they're having a child. I do think it's strange that they made such a big fuss about Faye children being so rare and so blessed and blah, blah, blah. Um, and Farah just immediately been like, no problem. Yep, they're like immediately baby. But also, I'm baby. Can we talk about how well I guess let's first of all, because you've written here, like she definitely could have saved herself. Like she she's so powerful. Mm-hmm. And I agree, like at some point it mentioned something about like, oh, it's so risky for her to like use magic, like Farah to use magic. But like you're dying. That doesn't make sense because, like, yeah, first of all, you're dying anyway. So, like, what's it going to hurt? Second of all, like, Reese is allowed to put to use magic on you, but it's risky for you to use magic. Like, what about it as risky? Well, and here's my thing is that they're like transforming may harm this pregnancy. It's like, well, she transformed when she conceived the baby. So I don't know if it would do much to harm it, making her cervix bigger. Yeah. Giving it more room. It really doesn't. The it only doesn't reason add was to give Nesta a redemption arc. That was the only yeah. reason why. Otherwise, it does not make sense. But it's just like lazy. Like they could have done that in a different way. And also, something that like ticked me off is like how Reese kind of like kept it from Farah. Like the danger. Reese was kind of a dick in this book. Yeah. He was very much, um, as Bryce likes to say in the Crescent City series, he was very much an alpha hole. (laughs) Um, We don't love that for him. That's not, Reese, that's not you. Yeah, which, I mean, that does, like, add up because, like, he really wasn't acting like himself. Like, he needed a fucking Snickers because he was so stressed the entire book. I felt bad for him. Me too. He was, like, just sitting in the knowledge that, like, Feyre and the baby were in danger because Feyre's anatomy couldn't, like, support the child. Oh, my God. This is Twilight, too. Oh, my God. (laughs) Feyre, we need to talk. Because it's actually Edward. Like, whenever (laughs) Bella is, like, pregnant with the soul-sucking vampire child. Oh, my God. Except the only difference is Reese, like loved the baby and wanted it to be born edward was like yeet us the fetus yeah, get it the fuck out of here <laughs> yeah so honestly yeah. i kind of respect edward more because he was like no you're not killing my wife today baby i but think reese i was like, not. i don't know maybe we can have both <laughs> but also it's like hey reese why didn't we think about this ahead of like i know you i know you guys weren't using contraceptives or whatever but if you were that worried about it like maybe don't fuck her while she's in a different form like i don't know it seemed common yeah. sense to me and like i get like maybe in the, the heat of the moment they weren't thinking about that or that like the baby would have wings but 
I don't know. Like just stuff was not adding up for me. It was just like, it was too, this situation was too specific. Like there were too many details creating this situation and it just ended up making it not work. Yeah. In my opinion, like it's it, just it didn't like, work. It, she had to, to put so many, like, this is the reason, this is the reason, this is, and then it just became like, that's And it's like, if you have to give that many reasons, like, it probably wasn't, like, feasible to begin with. Yeah, like, it's just silly. Like, Mm -hmm. it's really silly. And, like, honestly, when Pharaoh was, like, dying and stuff, and, like, and Nesta's having, like, this heart-to-heart with whatever higher being, I'm assuming it's the mother, Mm -hmm. um, like, I wish, like, we'd gotten to see more interaction maybe with the mother like I feel like that would have been a good time to get some more questions answered I don't know if she would have answered them all but like yeah I don't know like that whole thing seems so again rushed like it was the last like five pages of the book and she was just like Pharaoh's dying oh god like take all my power we're not gonna worry about anything else she's like save this save this woman because Reese will also die which mm, we're gonna talk about that too yeah um just I don't know dude it just didn't make sense I agree and yeah the fact that it was so like such a small percentage of the book (laughs) when it carried so much of the weight it's just like wow that's a pretty big deal like bear is dying and you're just gonna downplay like that like our heroine of the last three books is literally passing away and yeah another thing that (laughs) you want to know what grinds my gears the the words that are used and phrases in smut scenes and fantasy novels it is fantasy novels specifically that do shit like this oh Mm -hmm. my god um so specifically the phrase feasted upon um we used another one too many times oh way too many times another one that we recently saw was like talking about like um Cassian's like thing being spent what did it say like spending spending his seed spending I don't know it was some it was gross the word seed yeah the word seed needs to be eliminated almost would rather them just use the word come yeah absolutely absolutely I would also quit calling it a core don't like that her quivering core get the (laughs) fuck out of here (laughs) get out of here um member yeah it's gross put your thesaurus away (laughs) you're freaking me out you know what i know what it is just call spade a spade and like we'll move on (laughs) yeah like you're not fooling anybody and you're just making us uncomfortable Mm, god i hate that (laughs) (laughs) just the word choice sarah was so poor and that's partially what i like about the crescent city books is that they're a little more modern yes (laughs) we're using modern language exactly yeah like we're we're not like um reading miss willa collins diary here miss willa (laughs) god bless um last thing that we just really didn't care much for which i forgot that they had done this until we rehashed it at the end of the book Um, at the time i was just like okay that's super cute um yeah so if you remember in frost and starlight at the very end of the book Reese and Farah basically like make this bargain with each other to never leave one another and that bargain was taken literally because um 
at the end of the book, so Feyre is like dying and Reese is panicking and everyone else is panicking. And they're like, but why are you like specifically, why are you panicking? And he's like, oh, not only is my wife going to die, but I'm going to die with her. And they're like, what? And he's like, yeah. So funny story. We promised that if one of us dies, the other one is also going to die. Super romantic, very Romeo and Juliet-ish. He's like, have you seen like, the notebook? Like, yeah. it's, it's very much the notebook. And they're like, hey, dude, you're a fucking idiot. You are literally the thing keeping this whole kingdom, like, going right now. Why would you do that? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. Hindsight 20 and 20, right? Like, <laughs> he's like, oh, I, I just love my girl. What were they thinking? Like, I get being wildly in love and, like, if you know, one of our husbands were to, to pass away, like, yeah, it would be rough, but I'm not going to kill myself you're too. You're still worth something without <laughs> your significant other. Like, why like, would you just... That's yucky. Do that. <laughs> yeah, very cringe. Um, I hated that. That was... Honestly, that also gives me Twilight vibes because, like, very angsty Edward, when he thought Bella died, was just going to mm-hmm. kill himself also. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, spoilers for Twilight, if you guys if you haven't read, read Twilight yet. Twilight. Oh, my God. We should do Twilight. Let's do Twilight. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I could, like, physically... Make no, we can do it movie. because I recently, whenever Midnight Sun came out, like two I years read ago, Midnight Sun I yet. read it and it it took me back. It sucked me back in. I was like, oh yeah, like this is this is peak, dude. <laughs> I I what? Don't get me wrong. Don't get it twisted. I loved Twilight when it first came out, but I have also grown a lot since then. So I don't know if I, can I have do it. also um. I have developed a certain and type of taste for books. And violent <laughs> internet um, since then. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that kind of sums up all the things that, like, grind at our gears. I have a bone to pick about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, next, kind of moving on, we're going to talk about relationships between some of the characters this novel and how they grew. Starting with Nesta and Cassian. Nesta and Cassian, like, we've covered quite a bit about them at this point in time. They both had a lot of character growth. They both had, like, separately did amazing things. I loved that for them. And, like, you know, Nesta started the Valkyrie and she got everyone, like, fucking hyped and, like, Uh got over her fear of fire and, like, fucking became an Illyrian warrior. Got of her. Got over her fear of fire woods. She learned how to take a bath. And... (laughs) Cassian, you know, found his inner strength and like what he is strong physically, but he is scared inside and like got over that fear and blah, blah, blah. Together, they are a fucking hot mess. Yeah. Like together, they are a mess. And I, we already talked about the miscommunication trope. Like, my God, like I've never seen such a like discombobulated couple. They Um, are enemies to lovers to enemies to lovers to enemies to lovers. Like, even now that they're mated, I still think they may hate each other. I don't yeah. actually know. Um, like, they love each other because of the bond. Mm-hmm. But, ah, oh, God, I don't know. Like, I did like, like her. Oh, what? sorry to cut no, you go off. For it. You're good. I was just going to say, it's like how, like, Reese's parents were mated, but yeah. she's like, they weren't right for each other. Though. Like, like, I think fought each other. the mating bond is not necessarily like, oh, yeah, these people are going to be perfect together. 
And like, that's my other thing too, is that like, I know where she's going with this. Like, I know where Sarah J. Mass is going with this and she's going to mate off all the sisters. Like, mm-hmm. like they're all made it off now. And like, I feel like she didn't need to do that. Yeah. It like, definitely like takes away from the fact that they were like, oh, the mating bond is like so rare and secret and blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah. I get that they're all made beings and like it's different for them and whatever. But yeah. I don't know, dude. Like, that's her excuse for everything though. And it just kind of gets redundant because, yeah. it's like, oh, they're made so they can track the cauldron. They're they made so they, they can track to. the trove. They're made so they can all be mated. They're like made so Farrah can conceive a child immediately. Like, okay. like they would have been better off as friends yeah like I feel like they hyped each other up and like I really feel like imagine and like Eris and Nesta ended up together I don't know yeah and imagine like an alternate like version where Cassian and Emery got together well I think Emery's a lesbian oh is she I'm pretty sure I'm so it would sure. have to be a really alternate version. <laughs> I mean, well, because like whenever Moore came to train them that one day, she was like, Emery couldn't take her eyes off of her. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, cool. Emery's yeah. probably a lesbian. I'm assuming. Yeah, my bad. Um, just like, <laughs> well, I think, then never mind. Just like, I think Gwen and Asriel are going to get together. Um, I, yeah, absolutely. They Shift had that one hundred great chemistry. Yeah. That's a highly contested thing. We're going to talk about it more in this next mini-sode. Um, and we'll also talk about some... There's bonus chapters, by the way, for this book, um, for those of you who weren't aware of it. So we'll talk about those shortly. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I think they would have been better as friends. I do like their like kind of dom-sub vibe. Oh, yeah. I just love... I love that in general, I, like, for any book. <laughs> Am I outing myself right now? No, uh, like, love that <laughs> shit. Um, that was cool. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed with everything. Um, so, Nesta and Asriel. Like, Asriel is perfect. You can tell me that he is not the best character in this entire series. I love him so much. He's so thoughtful. <laughs> He helps train the Valkyrie from the goodness of his heart. He's so kind and, like, empathetic. And he knows not to, like, push. And, I mean, Cassian is good, too, about that. But he's a little more, um, he kind of pushes them until he realizes that, like, okay, like, they're not, like, responding well to that. But Mm -hmm. Asriel, like, doesn't even ever push. He's just, like, absolutely, like, we'll do what you need. I love it. Well, and I think that's why him and, like, Gwen get along so well was because, like I said, he's the one who, like, rescued her from the temple and stuff. And so, like, he understands. Um, well, he's had, his obviously, his own personal trauma. And so he understands, like, the learning delays and, like, developing, like, your strength and what, like, needing to get out of your mind, basically. And he does that with Nesta, too. Like, he understands, like, she's in a dark place and, like, that's why he shows her so much kindness when no one else does, because I'm sure after they rescued him, he was probably not in a great place either, but he had Reese and Cassian to kind of pull him out of it. Yeah. And I mean, Nesta kind of like has isolated herself, which makes her situation a lot worse, but like, it is important. Yeah. To like, remember and acknowledge that she has PTSD and she everything that she is doing is because of that trauma um 
she was traumatized previously as a human too. And like her coping mechanism has always been to be like a complete asshole and right. shut down. Um, but it's like magnified because the trauma uh, when she became a fae was <laughs> significantly magnified. Yeah. So yeah, that's important I'm, to remember. Yeah. Just very thankful for Asriel. And I think he is kind of what saved this book. Honestly, he balanced everything out. Yeah. <laughs> and just the fact that we get to see more of his personality too, like when he's teasing really Cassian. Yeah. And he's like, um, as your chaperone, like, is there something I need to know about? <laughs> like, he's always just like messing with them. You forget how funny Asriel is. And oh, like, yeah. also just how excited both of them were when Reese told him they were having a baby. Like, oh, they're like, we're going to be uncles. <laughs> God, that was cute. Yeah. They're very, very sweet in their own ways. So next we're going to talk about Nessa and Feyre. Um, What's really kind of a bummer is that we don't get any POV from Feyre in this novel. And Except for the bonus I just chapter. miss it. Oh, yes. In the bonus chapter, um, bonus chapters, we get a couple different perspectives, um, but not in the actual like released novel and it's like wow it would have been cool to see her perspective on some of these things um Nesta she is a jerk to Feyre because she just recognizes that Feyre is like better than her um and like I mean to an extent it's like it's very much like Nesta is limiting herself. Like she could be doing all these things that Pharaoh's doing. Like she's just as capable, but she just like completely refuses. Um, and Pharaoh, she just kind of takes it. She's like, Oh yeah, that Nesta is just like that. Like she just hates me. And it's like, okay, but like you deserve better than that. Part um, of that I do think is because of like the way their mother treated them separately. Um, yeah. like, their mom favored Nesta and like kind of did everything for her. Um, and so I don't think Nesta was ever really held accountable for like anything she's ever done, even like after their mom passed away, like when they moved into the cabin and whatever, like even Farah didn't hold her accountable because like, that's just kind of how it always was, which doesn't give her, you know, an excuse, but it yeah. does give you some perspective to, I think, for why Nesta acted the way she did because Feyre has always just been very self-sufficient. Everyone kind of forgot about her. And so it makes sense that she'd be the one to make shit happen because she's always had to. Yeah. And their mom like kind of pitted them against each other. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. She like had, there's one time in this novel when Nesta remembers her mom had told her that Elaine would marry for beauty and Nesta would marry for conquest and it's just like what does that mean and like why would you say it to your child yeah like poor like poor Elaine in that situation like yeah she they no one ever thought she would be destined for greatness ever yeah so like their mother like took all of their strengths and weaknesses and like compared them against each other it's just like obviously she was a shit mom but um, the next group I go, the next relationship related to kind of focus on is Nesta and Reese. So they have a tumultuous relationship. Like <laughs> Reese has made it clear, even like back in book two, that he does not much care for Nesta. And like, he is upfront with that about Tefera. Like he's like, don't like her. Don't like what she did to you. 
she's trash. And Sarah gets defensive too. Yeah. You know, like whenever like someone says something uh, about your sibling and you're like, whoa, like only I can say that. Like you get really defensive of them. Like Farah very much had that moment. I can. Yeah. Only I can tear into my sister. Thank you. Um, so like, obviously like, there's a point in time in this book where Resand is just like, I'm going to fucking kill you because she's the one who's upfront with Feyre about like that baby's going to kill her. And I do respect Nesta for doing that. She went about it the wrong way, but I have nothing but respect for Nesta for being straight up with Feyre and being like, yeah. that child is killing you. Because and- Why would Reese not tell her that pisses me off? <clears throat> And that's so out of character for him. Right. And I really do think that it stems from just like a deep rooted fear of losing his family. Mm-hmm. Um, not a good reason to not tell her, but I, I think that's what it is. It has um, to be because he's always been like, everything's your choice. But like, <laughs> then we get to this situation and he's like, no. Nah. Okay, Reese, now is not the time to be pro-life, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> baby. Um, but anyway, so like, they do reconcile in the end because- he owes Nesta a big time for saving yeah. his fucking family and himself because he was going <laughs> to die too. Yeah. But, I mean, their whole relationship, like they are like enabling Nesta the whole time. Like nobody is giving her the help that she needs. And I think Reese is the worst of all because like he did offer her positions. Like he, he did try to extend an olive branch, but at the same time, like they knew she's being self-destructive. They knew she's drinking herself to death. Like they, they got the bills, like they paid for it. And like, I don't know. I feel like they just could have done more to help her. And Reese like pretended to do what he could when in fact, like there was more that they all could have collectively done to help her. Yeah. Because like Reese was only like reaching out to her because of his love for Feyre. Right. But it's like, he they like allowed her to move out or whatever which I mean I say allowed because like yeah like obviously they're going to not hold her there against her will right but they were like clearly she's not okay and we're just like yeah okay um sure you're good to move out on your own but like she was not well like she needed a support system and they were just like yeah even good luck out there turned her back on her I know. And that's what I think what pissed me off too is that like Amron knew like like Nesta confided more to Amron than she did anybody else. And so like Amron knew where she's coming from. Amron knew a lot of her trauma, like her relationship yeah. with her mom. And like even then Amron's like, no, you're being selfish. And it's like, and come on now. Like makes me sad too, because like Amron was so much more patient with Farah. Like whenever Farah mm-hmm. was too scared to go to the prison, she like showed up and like gave her that amulet and was like, here, like you got this, like go on and you can do it. So it's like, where was that energy when Nesta well, needed you? I think it's a respect thing, honestly, because Amron could like sent the bond between Reese and Farah and like Erin, I'm not gonna lie, she pissed me off in this book. And I'll talk about it here in a little bit when we go over the theories. But like she she was tripping this book. Like she was recommending some wild ass shit. Um first so, of all, holding out on the information about the trove items until yeah, now. Yeah, like that could have been huge. Strike one. <laughs> Strike one. Um but yeah, I don't know. She just was not a good friend to her and no nope, nobody was except for Cassian. <laughs> Yeah. 
And it was really hard for him too, because like his feelings were obviously complicated by romantic feelings. Um, but he was trying to also just be that friend that she needed as well. Yeah. Anyway, next we're going to talk about the Valkyrie, mm-hmm. our favorite girly pops. Um, we love Emery and Gwen. They are so supportive of Nesta. They like really help to bring her out of her shell. And like, she does the same for them by, you know, inviting them to come train with her. Um, So great that they don't judge Nesta because like they've gone through their own traumas and like, she really needed that. Like she really needs like these people to hear what she's been through and what feelings she has and to be like, yeah, I completely understand. And we're here for you. Um, that meant a lot to her to have that. And um, yeah, we just feel like they will play a huge role if Prithian ever goes to war again, because they've trained themselves to be like this unstoppable force. They completed the blood rite together. Um, And thirsty priestesses ready to fucking go. Absolutely. Ready to like take their anger out on um some evil people. I also um, just feel like Sarah Day wouldn't have like brought up like the Valkyrie. Like they wouldn't have like gone into such extensive detail about them if they weren't going to be used later on. Like I really do feel like basically Nesta is going to step up with Cassian and be a general to the armies as well. That would be so great too, um, because they've been trying so hard to train all the female Illyrians. Exactly. And so now that they have like the Valkyrie. Valkyrie, it's like this example of like, hey, females can be great warriors too. Here's an example. And then they can like, you know, hopefully change the Illyrians' minds. Yeah. So. Um, I also just I think it's really cool like the involvement of the priestesses and especially Clotho, like she is such an underrated character in this book. She's amazing. Um, And just like the fact that she is so willing to like encourage immediately. And like, she doesn't want to like hoard the priestesses. Like she wants them to genuinely heal and to be able to defend themselves. Like she's not going to push anyone to not do what they want to do. But I do love that she gives them the chance to take their lives into their own hands. Yeah. She's so supportive. The Valkyrie are cool. The last, you know, kind of relationship we want to look at is Nesta and the House of Wind. So that was just like throughout the whole book, just such a really wholesome thing that they had going on. Um, We're still not 100% sure like what runs the House of Wind, Um, but it is a thing like a, I don't know, like. Like it's definitely implied that it has feelings because like. So the house is like spelled to take care of whatever need you have. Yeah. But it's like, yeah, it's like, it's sentient because Nesta at one point was like, when the house was delivering books to her, she was like, don't tell me you can read. And then it like dropped more books. And (laughs) it's like implying that the house can like do all of these things. Well, and, like, when they went to the library, like, if she went all the way to where Briaxis used to live, like, that's, like, the heart of the house. Because if you remember, the library is in the bottom of the House of Wind. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I don't know if it's, like, its own being and, like, it can hear and see everything that happens within the house, within the library. Um, That plays into a different theory I have for a future time, but um, I do, I do like 
the relationship that Nesta has with the house. I really feel like the house is kind of what brought her back from the brink of like self-destruction. I know. Um, it was kind of like the turning point for her. Yeah. Cause I was, um, I also like wrote here. So since the house is, it like takes care of all of your needs. It's like, maybe it knows that what Nesta needed was a friend <laughs> <So sweet>. <laughs> <laughs> crying. It's too Just cute. Sobbing over a, f- a house that isn't real <laughs> it's like an encanto yeah the casita the house Aww. i love it yeah beautiful all right so i'm really excited <laughs> to go over theories for this episode oh. i have been sweating over these for a little bit guys like i'm freaking stoked so all this time Basically, since we have gone to the prison for the first time in the second book, they have kind of hinted at there possibly have been being an eighth court. Um, so we don't really know a ton about the eighth court. We don't know if it even existed. But the more we read this book, the more like there, it's, there's got to be an eighth court. Like there's got to be. Oh, yeah. um, so first of all, we see Helian. He comes in to visit everybody um, on his little Pegasus. And they go on to say, like, according to legend, the Pegasuses had come from the island that the prison sat on. Perhaps that was part of their decline. Their home had vanished and whatever had sustained them was no longer there. So first of all, you know, saying like something else was on the prison before it was the prison. And we've we've said that before. Um, So a big hint that like there could have been an eighth court. Pegasuses were... um, you know, native to that land and since then like there's steady declining and somehow Helian got a hold of them. Um, the other part was when we started like hunting for the dread trove. So um, the harp is hidden in the prison. So the second dread, tro- dread trove item is the harp. Um, and while Cassian and Nesta are in the prison nesta says part of me wonders if the prison was built or stocked with inmates to hide the harp's presence i wonder if someone hid the harp here knowing that it'd never be noticed with so much awful magic around it um so lanthus later on says like he he felt the harp's presence but he wasn't sure what it was um but it is it's been there for a hot minute and they even go on to say like the person who had used it before used it for like super nefarious purposes and then put it back. But we don't really get much like about who it was who used the item, um, which again leads me to some other theories for a future time. Oh, so during that time where they're like searching through everything, um, this is right after they're talking about like the heart being hidden there. Cassie or Nesta asked who built this place and Cassian said your guess is as good as mine someone who existed before the high lords ruled Reese once told me that this island might have even been an eighth court and so um Amran kind of confirmed that as well like she she'd been there for a hot freaking minute before the high lords even existed um that there were like a bunch of different territories however by the time she had gotten out the territories had all been separated into what they are now. And so with her being in there for like 10 to 15,000 years, like it could have very much like come and gone by that time. Um, Or it was before. So see, that's where it kind of falls apart because Amron went in before um, the courts existed. And by the time she got out, the courts were separated, but but yeah, like, but you're Maybe saying it like, was like one big court. Yeah. But even the um, like 10 to 15,000 years that she was in there, like that is long enough 
for a civilization to like fall apart. Like I feel like. But what doesn't make sense is when Nesta picks up the harp, it like basically kind of shows her like a flashback of people being like trapped within the walls. So she said, Faye were pounding on the stone, begging to be let out. Um, it was a trap and our people were too blind to see it. So whoever owned the heart before, like basically trapped an entire like court's worth of people within the walls of the prison. Um, yeah. That's like what so, Amarantha did to people. Under yeah. The- and so I don't know, like that's where I get a little confused. Cause it's like, it may have been a, court like before the prison was built but also I don't know but I think also we mentioned at one point and this kind of goes back to you saying like it could have just been one giant court because we talked about it potentially being a kingdom because when Striga was singing that song when Pharaoh was getting the ring we talked about the king and the queen so like maybe it was all one big kingdom well, and on top of that, like when they walk into the court or when they walk into the prison, like where the harp is, um, Nesta said that it was sitting on top of an eight pointed star with the heart being in the middle of it. And mm-hmm. so a lot of people call the eighth court like the dusk court um, and the way that she described the star to be like there were four points bigger than the other four. And so I think the four big points are like the celestial courts and then the four smaller ones are the like seasonal courts. Um, But it could also be like there was one like the harp represents like the one person who oversaw all the territory. So there was like one king Mm -hmm. who kind of oversaw everything, which also kind of gets mentioned later on in the book. And we'll cover that here in a minute. Um, But I do want to read page 636 because Lanthus, let me find it. Lanthus talks about like there being like a hunt and everything. And um. Like, basically, there's more to the area. Like, there was more than what just the Fae were before the courts existed. Um, but on page 636, Eris is talking about how um, every point of, like, the three mountaintops, like, every mountain has a prison built underneath. Well, two of them at least have prisons built underneath it. Um, so Nestor was asking why it, why are the mountains sacred to you? Why specifically like under under the mountain? Why is it sacred to them? And it says Eris shrugged and Nesta knew Cassian monitored, monitored his every breath. There are three of them, you know, sister peaks, this one, the mountain called the prison. And then the one, the Illyrian brutes called Ramiel, all bald barren mountains at odds with those around them. And he said, we don't know why they exist, but do you not find it strange that two out of the three have underground palaces carved into them? Um, so again, kind of playing into the idea that like maybe there were a bunch of different courts before like all yeah, of them. Like, yes, Lanthus, I do find it strange. Um, tell me more. Well, that was Eris. Oh, yes, Eris. <laughs> um, kidding. And so, yeah, like I think Eris is onto something here and I think maybe he knows like something's not adding up. Um, but I do think it's super, super strange that we have people trapped in the walls and Nesta was able to hear them and like something bad happened under the prison or in the prison. Um, and I really do hope we get some more information on it over the next couple books or even in some different stories. I don't know. And so that, kind of like leads into um so (laughs) 
This was actually from A Court of Wings and Ruin, but <laughs> we mess up. We forgot to talk about this. But the uh, bone carver in chapter 23 of Wings and Ruin is telling a story. So I'm going to read about that. So first of all, the bone carver is explaining to Farah and Cassian that um, there's a reason that he was like um, hiding in the prison, basically. So he says... Do you think I let them trap me without good reason? And then he says, you have met my sister, my twin, the weaver, as you now call her. I knew her as Striga, she and our older brother, Kostje, how they delighted in this world when we fell into it, how those ancient fae feared and worshipped them. Had I been braver, I might have bided my time, waited for their power to fade, for that long ago fae warrior to trick Striga into diminishing her power and becoming confined to the middle. Kostje too, confined and bound by his little lake on the continent, all before Prithian, before the land was carved up and any high lord was crowned. And then he continues, clever, that fey warrior, her bloodline is long gone now, though a trace still runs through some human line. He smiled, perhaps a bit sadly. No one remembers her name, but I do. She would have been my salvation had I not made my choice long before she walked this earth. And then he says, she could not kill them in the end. They were too strong. They could only be contained. I knew that long before she ever trapped them, took it upon myself to find my way here to hide from my siblings. So the fact that he says that this old fey warrior who can find his his death god siblings Mm -hmm. is um, potentially still running through a human bloodline leads us to believe that that is family family. so that ties into everything that we've been talking about with pharaoh's mom like being connected to the fae and like that could explain why her dad even uh well it could be on her dad's side because he was able to um somehow strike a bargain with coast jay and like how is that possible what power would he have over because his family was the one who put him in there in the first place yeah so like maybe he did have power over this freaking death god and yeah it's wild well um, it also makes sense why like Feyre and Nesta are like more prone to like the fighting lifestyle because like they do have like blood from this great warrior which makes me think uh, like okay it all kind of comes back to Elaine um it's kind of a half-baked idea but like I really feel like Elaine like maybe does not have the same of both parents that Farah and Nesta do because like Farah and Nesta both take after their mother and they always talk about how they both have their mother's eyes and like how um like they they do share a lot of similarities whereas Elaine was always her like fought like her father kind of babied her, but like, she does not have the same colored hair. She doesn't have the same colored eyes. Like she doesn't really look like them. And so like, I don't know, like what if Elaine is like different? <laughs> Damn. I mean, that may not be true, but. Yeah, I don't know. Like, she definitely, like, I think her hair color is similar, but yeah, it doesn't ever say that she has her mother's eyes. So I don't know. But, like, why would she put an emphasis on the fact that Farah and Nesta both have their mother's mother's eyes? eyes. Doesn't. But also, it's like, obviously, I think Nesta would remember their mom being pregnant. Well, maybe. I don't know. Like, I think Elaine is definitely, like, their mother's child, but, like, mm-hmm. what if she's, like... Could be a different father? I don't know, like, how that would make sense, though. But I just, I do think they're all related, or they're all descended from this fey warrior. hmm 
I for sure. She wouldn't have brought it up otherwise. And like maybe that Fae warrior came from the eighth court. Yeah. And that's how. Yeah. I do think so. Yeah. Um, and then like also like if it is, you know, their bloodline and the Fae warrior did come from this like um, eighth court or like kingdom, then that song that Striga was singing could very well be like a legit like story like you know like a yeah like a fairy tale song like she's telling the story of Farah's ancestors yeah yeah um and then those are the people that trapped her so she would have reason to be thinking about them she'd be like thinking about them and also like fuck you in this book I don't know I feel like in this book she just like gives us so much to work with because like when Nesta and Cassian are in the prison, like, fighting Lanthus, he talks about, like, the wild hunt and, like, like, him being a member, like, basically how, like, the wild hunt existed before, like, any of the high lords and, like, how they kind of um, ran the land. And so when they get back, um, Reese and Cassian and Nesta are, like, all talking and they are all talking and they're like, what is the wild hunt? And Reese is basically just like, mm, you know, it's, it's a myth. And they're like, but what is it? And so... I'm going to read this whole passage to you guys. Hold tight. It says, Reese lifted a hand and a book of legends from a shelf behind him floated to his fingers. He laid it upon the desk. He flipped it open to a page, revealing an image of a group of tall, strange looking beings with crowns atop their heads. The Fae were not the first masters of this world. According to our oldest legends, now most forgotten, we were created by beings who were near gods and monsters, the Daglin. They ruled for millennia and enslaved us and the humans. They were petty and cruel and drank the magic of the land like wine. Guys, that's a lot, a lot for later. Um, Reese's eyes flicks to Ataraxia, then to Cassian. Some strains of the mythology claim that one of the fey heroes who rose up to overthrow them was Fion, who was given the great sword Gwydion by the high priestess Oleana, who had dipped it in the cauldron itself. Fionn and Gwydion overthrew the Daglin. A millennium of peace followed, and the lands were divided into rough territories that were precursors to the courts. But at the end of those thousand years, they were at each other's throats and on the brink of war. Fionn unified them and set himself above them as high king, the first and only high king of this land that we've ever had. So that could potentially be the eighth court that he oversaw was Gwydion. Or, yeah, was Fionn and Gwydion together and so they're like what happened to the high king and it says feast sorry reese ran a hand over the page of the book Fion was betrayed by his queen who had been the leader of her own territory and by his dearest friend who was his general they killed him taking on some of his bloodline's most powerful and precious weapons and then out of the chaos that followed the seven high lords rose and the courts have been in play ever since so it would make sense what mm-hmm. if Okay, so that makes sense. So, like, what if um, his queen and the general stole the harp, trapped everybody inside the prison, yeah. and then left the harp there to help start, like, the seven courts? Yeah, because... That makes sense? They, mm-hmm. It makes sense, too, that they would, like, trap the people because the people would be, like, angered that they, like, betrayed the king and killed him. So they, like, trapped them to avoid, like, a, an uprising. 
Well, and then, so at that point, Feyre is like, you still haven't told us what the, the wild hunt is. And it's like, oh, but you gave us so much more, Reese. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you answered so many questions. Um, and so Reese turned the pages in the book to an illustration of a host of riders on horses and all manners of beasts. The Daglin delighted in terrorizing the Fey and humans under the control. The wild hunt was a way to keep us all in line. They'd gather a host of their fiercest, most merciless warriors and grant them free reign to kill as they pleased. The Daglin possessed mighty monstrous beasts, hounds they called them, though they didn't look like the hounds we know, that they used to run prey to the ground before they tortured and killed them. It's a terrible history and much of it has been elaborated in myths. Um, and the hounds actually look like um, the the beasts that are like carved into the night or the court of nightmares. Um, and so I do think that like eventually like whatever part of the wild hunt that kind of split off after like the creation of the courts like a lot of them went to the court of nightmares and that's why they're so wicked yeah um so I don't know there's like a lot going on there and like she set up a lot of new information that will hopefully cover a little bit more because again why would we bring up the wild hunt if it wasn't going to be important. Same thing yeah. to like the eighth court. Like obviously we are setting up for an eighth court. Like there's going to be an eighth court, but some of this also plays a role in some of her other books too. So. Yeah. And I am so excited to eventually get yeah. to discuss we'll, that. We'll get to it eventually, <laughs> but it's all coming together. <laughs> it is. Um, so the next thing we're going to kind of, uh, theorize here is, okay. So the fact that Nesta at the end of the book changed Feyre and her own body to be able to potentially bear children with wings, but she didn't change Elaine's body. So thank goodness. We think that implies (laughs) that Elaine will not end up with Asriel, which is a weight off of my shoulder. Which a lot of people think they will and shame on you. Shame Shame on on you. you. First of all, you're wrong. Asriel and Gwyn belong to Gwynreal for life. Gwynreal for life. Don't add us. We're right on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. But I also think that, like I said, Elaine is going to end up with Tamlin. So, <laughs> yeah. And honestly, they deserve each other. They deserve it. And it'd be really cute. Watch, like, Elaine end up with Tamlin and, like, she they just makes all of the decisions and just completely she controls him. Probably would, dude. I feel like Tamlin's a fucking simp. Like, yeah, I mean, he is, but at the same time, he also was an alpha hole. So. I know, but like, maybe he's just waiting for the right girl to like, yeah, be a little more, like yeah. a little more dom. What if Elaine's actually like just a super dominant presence and like, <laughs> oh, she's a dominant dominate dominatrix. Oh my God. Help! I haven't even had I any alcohol. Right. <laughs> I don't okay. know. There's so many things that could go wrong with this. I'm scared. <laughs> I feel like the next book's gonna be about Elaine. Gag me with a spoon. <laughs> Gross. Um, oh, okay. So, like I was saying, Amryn like pissed me off in this book. And like I get where she's coming from, but I also think she just maybe went about this incorrectly. Um, so <laughs> obviously there's a lot of discord between the courts right now. And after Nesta came back with like Ataraxia. They also talked about Narbin, and then she made a couple swords on accident with her power. She like instilled power into them, and like basically made like a new trove item. Yeah, and they're like, like, "Oh, Oops. that's dope." Um. So anyway, like they have these stuff, and like they're talking about how like they're going to need to like really put their foot down with the other courts and like start making plans for like 
getting everything back together. And Amron was basically like, Reese, why don't you just become like the king of all territories? And he was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, we have all three of these blades. Like you could make yourself a high king. And he was like, no, I don't want to do that. And she was like, why not? And he's like, well, I'm perfectly, you know, happy with my mate and with the way things are. He's like, all I want to do is just get the like territory strong again so that we can fight like any outside influence. And she's like, well, what if it's coming from the inside, which is a good point. Um, but basically she was like, why are you shying away from the power that is your birthright? And so like Amrit is like super heavy pushing for Reese to take over like everything. And so like, yeah, and like, why is this his birthright? Yeah. Like <laughs> we know his power is different. Like his power is different than He's built like, different anything. Yeah. Than like anything anyone else has ever seen. And so like, first of all, we don't really know anything about Reese Ann's family, except for the fact his mom and his sister were brutally murdered, yeah, but like his, everyone said, his dad was a dick. Yeah. A piece of work. And like, other than that, we don't know anything about Reese Ann's family. Um, and like Aaron really wants everyone to be involved with this too, because he was, she was like, yeah, you know, Nesta can like take down all of your competition and Cassian can lead your armies. And Vera is like the most powerful female and all of blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, Aaron, baby, like, have you been planning this for a while? Like where's she's in it for the long game. Yeah. She is in it for the long haul. And so I think that was weird too, that we just all of a sudden started mentioning this and it's like, Oh, well we literally just talked about the wild hunt and like this all powerful king that they had and blah blah blah. but like I also think it's weird too that they mentioned that that king was taken down by his general and his queen and so it's like well we don't want that to happen again so yeah and it's like Amarin like is that your plan? Like you well, want him to become high king? On and then... top of that, it's like, Amarin, like you're not even from here. We don't know anything about you. And it's like, <laughs> what? I don't know. A little bit I'm of xenophobia very... running through the night court right now. <laughs> I'm just very like curious as to what her plan is. Like what, what's the end goal here? Yeah, it definitely is like a little sus, like how hard she was pushing for it. But also it could just be because like Reese is the only person she trusts to do it. Like, so to be fair, it could be, you know, innocent. Um, but it, it, mm. it is a little bit sus that she's like, I don't, no, innocent, but... do it. <laughs> I don't know. There's just so many different strings of play in this book. And like I said, unfortunately she introduced so much, but like, we didn't really get a whole lot of explanation from it. Um, same thing with like the way it ended like Koshe escaped but the queens are dead now but like Koshe is on the run like yeah I don't know there's there's a lot of there's a lot in play and I'm excited to see where she goes with it unfortunately well unfortunately unfortunately um instead of her coming out with the next Akatar book she's actually going to be working on the third Crescent City book instead <laughs> um which there's only going to be three it's a, it's a trilogy so there there are still Akatar books coming out never fear um but we may be waiting a little bit before we hear from our favorite friends again yeah and uh <laughs> hopefully the podcast is still going on by then it'll still be going by then don't worry yeah you guys can't get rid of us that easily We'll be here for the rest of our lives. Um, But next week, we are going to be taking a little break from fantasy. Um, It has been a wild ride. Fantasy is so, so fun. We love the world building aspect. We love 
everything that Sarah J Mass has to offer us, but it's been 10 weeks and we're ready to do something a little different. So we're going to be reading Window Shopping by yeah. Tessa Bailey, one of my favorite romance authors. Actually, that'll be the week after next because next week we're oh, doing, we're doing a mini so just kidding. Yeah. But um, our mini will be about like our own, like shipping Gwen Real and like we're going to read some more um, fanfics specifically about Gwen Real and we're going to talk about how much we hate Elaine. So yeah, that'll be kind of how we wrap up um, yes. this series. And then yeah, Window Shopping by Tessa Bailey. If we you guys <laughs> are into rom-coms, like this is the book for you. It is holiday theme, so enjoy a little Christmas in April with us. But it'll be our second Christmas together. Yes, we're really into Christmas. Oh, if you do want to get prepared for the mini sode next week, I definitely encourage you to read um, the bonus chapters for A Court of Silver Flames. Um, if you just Google A Court of Silver Flames bonus chapters, there is something that'll pop up like first thing, and it's on Tumblr. So it's by um, Illyrian Shadow Hunter on cool name Tumblr because I guess some people still use Tumblr. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's been a no hot offense, minute for me, but... we, we appreciate your service. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, but yeah, you can find them pretty much anywhere. Um, but those play a huge role in like what we'll be talking about in the mini-sode. So check it out. And as always, let's get lit. <laughs> <laughs>